0: Welcome to Passports and Pizza, a podcast about everything by two carb-loving, carry-on-only gals. I'm
1: Laura, a traveler and teacher with an appetite for adventure. And I'm Sarah, an artist and food blogger who travels mainly for the food. Join us as we dive into anything and everything that's on our plates and on our minds.
0: Well, I hope everything sounds good because everything technologically is falling apart as (laughs) per usual here. (laughs) It's always a struggle. Oh, yes. All right. Well... All right, salty sweet.
1: Okay. Do you want to go? I'll go first. Okay.
0: My salty is that it's that time of year. (laughs) Oh. When all teachers are done. (laughs) We're checked out. We don't care anymore about how cute our classrooms are or keeping up with our appearances. We're at that point. And especially this year. Uh Uh-huh. My patience is wearing thin with all things. So I still love my job, but I just am reaching that teacher burnout point where I'm counting down the days. Why do I feel like the school year just started? (laughs) I mean, for a lot of kids, it did just start. Yeah. Um, A lot of schools are just welcoming back, like every student, now that teachers are vaccinated. Yeah. Um. Ours has been in full throttle since October. So, (laughs) not the case here, but that's okay. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the year has gone very fast, Mm -hmm. but I'm at a point now where I'm just like, I'm ready. I'm ready to not just, I'm ready to not be in teacher mode and dealing with all that is. So, Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm,
1: as always, glad to not be a teacher.
0: Well, my my thing too is like I see a lot of teacher TikToks, and I think why are teachers held to this regard that we're just not allowed to have bad days or like mm-hmm. we we're not allowed to complain about anything because well you chose this career right it's like that doesn't mean like yeah we're we not all have bad days yeah so I don't I don't yeah. think it's fair to hold teachers to this like standard. That no a, other job
1: has. I have a super chill job and I still have days where I'm just done. Yeah. I'm just like, like I had the one day where I was PMSing real hard and everything was annoying me. And I literally said to my co- coworker, I was like, Rob, I do not have the patience for this today. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Oh, man.
1: Some days you just can't. You just got to check out.
0: Yeah, this week was rough. I don't know what... There's not anything specifically, but it just like I reached a boiling point on Friday where I was like, Mm -hmm. all right, there's 34 school days left, (laughs) and every day I'm going to write the number down so I can keep myself a little positive. And, you know, I still... You love the kids. You love your job, but it's like, dude, it's not... Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's my that's my salty, which is, you know, I think something a lot of people go through. It's just like burnout where everyone's just like, I'm done. I'm just really yeah. done. I'm mm-hmm. at that point. Um, my sweet is that I have a garden for the first time in my life. Yeah. So um the previous owner must really love daffodils and uh, tulips mm, and all these like
1: they're all popping up.
0: Yeah, they're all popping up. And it was almost like a the sweetest surprise yeah. because I didn't plant them, and all of a sudden, it's spring, and all these, like, colorful flowers are coming out of the ground, and all of our, like, neighbors have these cute little flowers planted, and mm-hmm. I don't know, like, for the first, and I, we just went to the plant store. Perfect timing for this episode. Oh, um, yeah. We recorded this before we went to the greenhouse, but mm-hmm. um, it was so much fun to, like, p- you know, pick little plants, and, you know, how do we want the out- outside to look, and planning ahead, but also just really enjoying having an outdoor space. Yeah. Because I didn't really have that in all of other apartments. It was all very, like, cement,
1: you know? <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's really yeah. nice.
1: Yeah. Well, it's also a lot of work. So. It is. So we're always keeping yeah. in mind, like, low maintenance. Yeah. Yeah. Maintenance. I mean, even, like, tomorrow I'm planning to – um mow my backyard, which is tiny. Yeah. But it's It's a thing. It's already grown so much that I'm going to have to weed whack my entire yard before I mow it. (laughs) And then also I'm planning to just like pull up like the old dead bits of like my tomato plants and stuff from last year. Yeah. So even taking care of my tiny yard every year, I'm astounded by how much time it can take up on like a Sunday afternoon. Totally. Totally. But it's so
0: cute and it's so worth it, especially now that we have, like, a sitting space out there. I'm just like, yeah, we can – it's time-consuming, but it's fun, so. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
1: Well, my salty is dating apps. (laughs) (laughs) Spill the tea. (laughs) Um, And I want to start this by saying, like, I think dating apps are amazing. I'm extremely thankful for them. Yeah. I think they're really fun. Um. But I am learning that as someone who is an empath oh. and and also I really do enjoy getting to know people. So that's, yeah, like, it is really fun to swipe on these apps and, like, think, like, oh, could I see myself just, like, retiring with this person <laughs> based on the very little information I have about them or whatever. Um, but I'm finding it to be very emotionally draining that I I kind of have to do it in like spurts. Yeah. Because especially dating at my age and like knowing very clearly what I'm looking for, you know, you get to know someone and then to like have this conversation or maybe even go on a date with this person and then realize it's not a right fit for whatever reason and having to like tell the other person that. And not everyone takes it very well. Some some of them some do.
0: men do not like yeah. rejection.
1: Right. I have had very good responses and other people that I'm like, oh, boy. Um, and my policy is I just try to be as honest and mature as I can. Like, I try to treat these other people the way I would want to be treated right. on this app. Right. And sometimes that means being very honest about saying... That this won't work for whatever reason. hmm But, yeah. So, um, I had taken a break for, like, three months from dating at all after, like, I had, you know, like, a, a fling with someone that, you know, great person – just wasn't a perfect fit. And after that, I was like, whew, I need a break. Yeah. And I just recently jumped back in. And basically after a week and a half, I'm kind of <laughs> like, it's like, I definitely need to build in time to recharge my batteries after like a couple of interactions with people. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like a lot. And I would love to hear from the listeners, like, do you all feel this way? Like, or do I take this like more personally or more does this affect me more than other people? Right. Or am I going to get better at
0: this? I've never been you know? on a dating app, but I also think I would struggle with the energy yeah. of, like, reading into things. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I
1: mean? Yeah. Or, like, waiting for someone to respond or wondering, yeah. like, why they haven't responded.
0: Or, like, why are they, like, responding this way or...
1: Yeah, yeah. What what's the vibe they're putting off? Yeah. Although I will say, like, I told a friend, I was like, I think I'm learning a lot of lessons having like not much experience at all in this. Yeah. And I, but I'm learning them very quickly. And I, I think that, like, my gut instinct is usually a hundred percent correct. Well, that's good. And like, <laughs> I think I need to just really trust your pay gut. attention to that and trust my gut. Um, but that's also nice to know because hopefully when the right person comes along, my gut instinct will hopefully be like, whoa, this is different. This is special, which is what, like, I'm glad for all these experiences that turn out to be not it because every time that happens, I'm going to be more sure of when it is correct. Right. And that's really exciting to think about. Yeah. That and also, is. like, I'm not in any rush to like find my next perfect person. So I am thankful for all these interactions, but it is draining for me. And I just, I just need to be careful and make sure I give myself yeah. time to recoup.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, that's, I think it's good that you already are being that self aware of your need for that because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have burnout from just like dating.
1: Yeah. You do. And like, I always wondered why. When I would talk to friends about it or something, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'm taking a break." Right. Like I totally right. get it now. Yeah. You really do, and also you definitely get this kind of like high from right. like swiping and matching with people and talking to someone new, and then when it well, like, the spark is so fun initially, yeah. and you're like, "Ooh, it's gonna yeah. happen," but then when it crashes and burns, like you also kind of crash and burn a little bit. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, so it's it's a lot of highs and lows, and that can be very tiring. Yes. So, anyway, it's also been fun, though. Like, I'm not going to lie. It obviously has its pros and cons. But your salty is that it's extremely draining. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, like, yeah, you've got your, like, teacher drain. I've got dating dating app drain. drain. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um. The drain is real. So, my sweet is that I finally got my first COVID vaccine shot. Yay! Yeah. So, um... Congratulations. How does it feel? Thanks. It does feel really exciting. Um, cuz for me it happened very all of a sudden where I found out that this local mass vaccination site had like a ton of openings and at the same time I found out that I am apparently in group 1B which I thought I was had to wait until like phase 2 started else. when it was like open to everyone but apparently my job is considered manufacturing so I'm one B. So the one day, me and two of my co-workers, we signed up at the end of the day to go to this site. So we, the three of us went straight after work, got our first shot. And then I was able to help my aunt and uncle get shots there as well. Yeah. And so I get my doesn't second it? shot at the beginning of May. Doesn't that make you feel so excited that, like, well, yeah, because now, like, everyone in my immediate, like, close family has at least one shot. And so, the second
0: one's scheduled. So, yeah, it's only so a matter, in a matter of, time. of
1: weeks. It's like we're all going to be vaccinated and can, like, theoretically yeah. like, go back to normal in some ways. Yeah. So, yeah. And I, anecdotally, I feel like most people I know have had at least one shot now. At this point, yeah, for me too. At least here in
0: Pennsylvania, things have been rolling out, like, pretty consistently.
1: Yeah. And PA is one of the worst states. Yeah.
0: (laughs) But But I feel like... It's so
1: exciting. Like, I feel like we had a really bad start, but now I feel like all of a sudden it's, like, most people who want a vaccine have been able to get one. Yeah. So, yeah, it's super exciting. I think that, like,
0: that's an incredible sweep because it's just, like, this little tingle of hope. That we all
1: need. Yeah, it's like the light at the end of the tunnel is like truly in sight. Yeah. (sighs) Almost there. Yeah. Almost there. So for today's episode, we're diving into houseplants with my friend Phil, who's amazing. And this might seem like an odd topic, but with travel being basically a big no-no for the last year, I mean, it's basically been a topic of discussion that people being hunkered down in their homes have gotten very into house plants because absolutely it's something to take care of it's like a fun project it makes your home space more inviting and and cozy and comfortable so yeah if you weren't already into house plants you probably got into it in the last year And if you didn't, and you're like me with a total novice, like mindset,
0: I'm here for you because I sort of play (laughs) in this conversation. I'm playing the, I don't know anything card. So
1: (laughs) yeah, Phil has been my, um, go to plant guy for at least a year, maybe two or three years now. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's great. You guys are going to love him. You guys are going to learn so much, too. Yes. We talked to him for a while. Yeah. So definitely bookmark this one and come back to it. Yeah. Because he has a lot to share. Yeah, especially if you're trying to level up that, like, houseplant game. This is what it's all about for you. So. Yeah. Hopefully we make it less intimidating. We definitely get into the weeds a little bit. <laughs> pun, intended. pun
0: intended.
1: Um so hopefully this doesn't scare you into thinking that like you need to do all these things. But this is just yeah, you know, to level up. Yeah. Phil's got some tips for you. Yeah. And we've also we talk about like where to start. You know, if if you have none, we talk about, you know, beginner house plants and yeah all that good stuff. So We hope you enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And you're going to love Phil. So here we go. Here we go.
1: All right. So we are here with my friend, Phil Katawaki, who I met because Phil has done work as a stylist on photo shoots shoots with Robert like twice a year, this big photo shoot. So that's how we met because you and Robert became like besties on set. Um, and then, you know, we've kept in touch, but you are a stylist. You do work for store displays. You've done work with anthropology. And then what's the, the, the B name one that you've worked in New
2: York? Uh, that's Bergdorf Goodman. So that's a, it's a department store here in New York. It definitely has a big place in fashion history in the city. It's a high end, uh, department store. And has a reputation for its displays, so it's right. it's definitely one of the really exciting ones I get to work on, for sure.
1: Well, I'm glad I asked, because I thought it was either Barneys or Bloomingdale's, so... <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, Bar- Bar- Barneys, of course, is also extremely famous for its window displays, or was before it, it closed, actually, recently. Very sad.
0: I know, it's oh. so sad. <laughs> I
2: know, I know. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's been years now that we've known each other and that I've been visiting Lebanon twice a year, so, yeah. you know, five years almost.
0: Yeah. I'm shocked we haven't met Phil. I know. It yeah. is a
2: little bizarre, actually. And of course, I have stronger feelings of familiarity with you having listened to the whole <laughs> podcast. So. Yeah, Phil's one of our
1: true, most loyal true. listeners. <laughs> uh, yes. Totally. That is yeah. accurate. <laughs> um But in addition to being, like, an artistic wizard who works on store displays and stuff, Phil is basically a walking plant encyclopedia. I text him all the time with my plant questions because he instantly gives me way more information than I would ever find if I just Googled something. And he has definitely helped me become a better plant mom. And I'm always like, I'm like Phil. Look at this new growth on this one, or like this one's thriving,
2: <laughs> which I and, love, which I yeah. love to see. And of course, yeah. you are uh, not my only friend who likes to text for uh, plant advice, and I also love it. I uh, I was actually joking to Robert recently talking about plants because. Uh, my really my credentials are just that i have probably bought and killed more plants than you guys have and that that <laughs> it's just a, a great deal of personal experience and that and that's what's taken me right. to here <laughs> uh,
1: that's a good point though it's like in order to get to where you, you gotta are, fail you have to kill yeah. several plants and it you know happens. i've done it too i'm just killing <laughs> fewer you know the frequency has gone down a little bit or at least it's like maybe it stayed the same because I just buy more plants, but it's like the proportion of the plants that I buy and how many die has gone mm-hmm. down. You
2: know, I think the I mean, as long the the bet the, the it gets better when you feel like you know why it died. Yeah, you get if you're getting to the point in your plant experience where you're like, this one died, and it's because I did this. It's good
0: closure. It yeah. <laughs> I think that's
2: a true. You science. know,
0: of a plant's <laughs> life to know its reason.
2: Totally. Yes. And, yeah. and if you go back for that type of plant again, you know, maybe that experience will keep that one living longer in your home than yeah. the first time around. It's
1: not a failure. It's just a learning experience. Okay, totally. I also
0: have to confess that, Phil, I am, like, a plant, not even a novice. Like, I don't know anything. Like, I have a succulent or two in the house, so that's what we're working with here. So I totally. have... I'm. In this episode, I'm going to be the voice of that person listening who's like, "I like house plants. They look cute, but I have no experience." So,
1: <laughs> well, this is good. So, Laura, if if Phil and I like go off the deep end and seem like we're going over, yeah, to I'll Andy, chime, you to in. chime in and reel us back in. Yeah, I'll be like, okay. "All right,
0: <laughs> yes, yes, okay, totally." So, good, Phil, good. Phil, how did you get into plants? How did that sort of become a part of your lifestyle? How did that? How did that work? Oh.
2: Well, I definitely grew up in a gardening home, uh, you know, big veggie patch at home and gardens surrounding the the whole house. And, you know, definitely grew up participating in composting at home, planting seeds every spring and cultivating the garden. So it's sort of always been part of my family, but really when it comes to house plants, it has a lot to do with my visuals work in retail. It was probably about six or seven years ago and, um, When you do displays, interior displays in stores, of course, we'd use a ton of live plants. And at the end of that month or two, when that display is up and you change it to something new, that plant has to go somewhere. So it kind of became (laughs) this collection based on what plants were coming home with me from work. I didn't like seeing them go in the trash or, you know... So they they always sort of wind up with somebody, and if everybody else in the store with me passed, said no thank you this time, whatever was left came back to my house. So the, the collection actually grew pretty quickly. And the other thing about bringing plants home from a sales floor is they probably are not in the most amazing health anymore. We do our best to take care of them in a store, but you know, maybe it's a big large plant in the basement of a clothing store, it's not getting everything it wants. So there's a pretty large learning curve with bringing home those plants too. You're not only bringing home a large quantity of plants, but most of them are on the verge of death. So it, re- <laughs> it, it really fed into my interest in, in learning about the plants and how to, to really bring them back to life. And I mean, Sarah, I'm sure you know this by now and anybody listening who is a plant owner, that, I mean, that first time that you successfully rescue a plant and you see that new, fresh, green baby growth yes. on it is, like, such a satisfying and victorious feeling. Oh, so. my God.
1: So, <laughs> I, like, I need to send you, like, a new picture of my palm that... I, okay, so this palm plant was, like, dying at my office, and last spring, I just... I said, listen, guys, I'm taking it home. Like, I... I'm sorry, but it's got to go. It's coming home with me. It was like this stray cat I took off the street, except <laughs> it was a palm from my office. And I was texting Phil while I was at work. It was like, Phil, what can I do for this plant? And so I took it home, and according to Phil's recommendations, I repotted it. I got it palm soil. I had it out on my front porch all summer. And it, this plant has been thriving all winter. It has... Like, as soon as it grows a new leaf, it starts growing another one. And, like, I talk to it, like, every day. I'm like, look, look at you. You're doing so well. <laughs> and I, like, pet it, you know, like, just talk to it. But, and every time I, I see it, I think, like, oh, Phil helped me save this plant. This is so exciting. <laughs>
0: <Amazing>. <laughs> I
1: love it's such it. such a
2: good, like, feeling of confidence when you get to that point. You know, I remember back when we started talking about that palm, and I said, basically cut every leaf off. And yeah what a and I was like, horrifying what? conversation that was, yeah. but it's what it needed and you and when you when you reach the point of it starting to succeed and you get that confidence, it really just helps take down the mystery a bit. I think a huge part of house plants house plant owning is people are afraid for it to die, but like mm-hmm. we already said, they're going to die sometimes, not a huge <laughs> deal it's. <laughs>
0: Phil, is your house like a jungle of? I mean, you sent us some wonderful pictures that I sifted through, and they're stunning. and I don't even know what type of plant they are, but is your house a jungle? Like, how many plants do you actually think that you have? Like, what walk us through yeah. what the situation yeah, like, is? Phil,
1: we need totally. you to describe your house and your backyard so our listeners have a true understanding. Yes, explain of your, yeah. your life. Yes.
2: okay yeah totally totally um yes I have a a pretty large collection of indoor plants probably around 60 at any given time what
1: Um, and are you serious Phil remind our listeners where you live
2: I I live in Brooklyn I I live in Bushwick in Brooklyn so I have a pretty small apartment um apartment yeah and now and now that being said you know (laughs) 60 may sound like a lot, but amongst, you know, other, other you know, plant people, so to speak, on, on social media or, or, you know, people who are making a bit more of a career of it. 60 may not sound that, uh, like that That sounds to,
0: crazy to, to me. Them, that sounds for sure, nuts. For sure.
2: <laughs> now, it rotates, of course, because, like I said before, you know. It may be some are, are a propagation experiment or maybe some are a rescue. And so, you know, there's sort of a rotating uh, stock of plants here. And um, it, this may sound strange also, but this house is, is dark. It's, it's one of the darkest spaces I've ever lived. So my plant collection changed quite dramatically when I moved in here. Mm-hmm. I, I have to deal with the sort of strange I, light that comes in here. There's not a lot of natural light. It did get me into artificial light, uh, which we can touch on a bit. That's kind of a big experimentation for me, trying different fixtures and things. But uh, some of my plant areas are totally growing on grow lights inside my house also. Um, Wow. So, yes, every (laughs) bit of space is utilized. I mean, it's a railroad, which... Um, I don't know if you guys call them that in Pennsylvania, but in New York, that means it's like, uh, you know, a chain, a long chain of rooms, the way the apartment's set up. Yeah, that's
1: how my house is set up.
2: Yep. So people who live in an apartment like that, you know that all of your, all of your plants go in two rooms, right? The two end rooms that have the windows, that's all you can really do. Um, so obviously those window spaces are very well stocked, but I also in my living room have a large living wall, um that's growing totally in artificial light and probably contains about 20 plants just within that. Um, what do you
1: mean by a living wall?
0: Yeah, what is, what's a living wall?
2: A living wall. This was a project that I did right at the beginning of our time in quarantine. And basically I framed in a partition wall in my house to separate two rooms. But... I filled the wall in with hanging plants.
0: Cute, so
2: so the space that's dividing the two rooms is just a large, literally a large wall of potted plants all hanging.
1: And you sent us a picture of that.
2: I did. Yes. We're
0: we're gonna include
1: these pictures on our show notes, so if anyone wants to check (laughs) them out, they can. Yeah, we'll have a bunch of pictures from Phil, so you can see his plant glory.
2: So yeah, this, this apartment has changed the way that I that I deal with my plants because of the conditions. So there are artificial lights, there's humidifiers, there's fans, there's I mean
0: I have to I have to know if you name your
1: plants. Do you name them? You no, know,
2: I don't really. Sarah, I do you think... name
1: your plants? Some of them. I do have a snake plant called Taylor Swift.
2: <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. I mean, I have lovingly um, named yeah, Taylor Swift. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, they don't really have names, but I have ones that are, you know, the oldest ones in the collection that have managed to stay with me all of these years of plant hobbying. So obviously, mm-hmm. they hold a special place in my heart.
0: Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I was this was like a burning question on the back of my mind. I was like, if he has sixty <laughs> children, does he have sixty names for his plants? <laughs> Wild. <I don't>
1: know. <laughs> no. That's awesome. All right. Now
0: I want to get into like. House Houseplants for beginners, okay? So,
2: mm-hmm. okay,
0: couple things. Do you have recommendations for low-maintenance but cute house plants? Also, would you ever consider styling people's houses with plants? Like, I could see that being a niche market that, you know, just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's just a very say. good point.
2: Absolutely, and there are people who do that. And oh, yes, really? I agree. That does sound like... An actual dream profession, for sure. <laughs> cool. Uh, I, yeah. um, some of my work that I do right now is um, staging homes for real estate, and that is by far my favorite element of it, of course, as soon as we get to the plants.
1: Very cool. Yes, very cool.
2: Um, I have a list of plants for beginners here that I put together that is sort of common throughout all plant shops. You're going to find them and anywhere where you can buy plants, Home Depot, Lowe's, or your local hardware store. Um, Pothos is definitely what started me off on things. I'm sure you have one. If listeners at home have house plants, they probably have one. It's the most common plant in all of our collections. It goes by lots of names Devil's Ivy, and um, it comes in lots of different colors. But basically, this plant is super tolerant. It is going to grow in almost any conditions. The thing with plants growing in different conditions and being super tolerant is. Um, maybe you just won't see the same results so pothos super easy plant it's going to grow in low light conditions it's going to grow even if you forget to water it one week but if i have mine in a darker spot and you have yours in a brighter spot you'll probably see your plant is a little bigger than mine or grow slightly different Mm -hmm. that's going to be the same for all of these beginner plants that are tolerant of different spaces because um even though they are fine to grow in low light some varieties you're going to give them a bit more light they're going to grow bigger that's just natural anyways plants for beginners pothos for sure sansevero. we talked about um sarah having her snake plant taylor swift snake <laughs> mice, definitely super easy some people call mm-hmm. them the eternity plant they they just they grow sort of seemingly under any conditions um zizi is really popular which i'm sure you've seen in many mm-hmm. plant stores before and that's All a good
1: our... low-light plant, right? It
2: Azizi. is. Azizi Azizi's good low-light. Sansevieria can deal with lots of different light. Pothos can for sure. Dracaenas can. Dracaenas are those ones that sort of have grassy-like leaves on them. Some of them look a bit palm-like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also wrote Diefenbachia, or commonly dumb cane. You're going to see those a lot. And Eglonema. These... These are all plants that honestly, if you, if you walk into the plant store, the the plant section at your local hardware store, this is probably the, the variety of plants you're going to see there. And without being too controversial, if you can pick it up at the Home Depot plant section, it's probably not too complex of a plant for you to care for. It's probably going to make the list of general, you know, Good tip, good tip. Basically, you know. <laughs>
1: That's a good point. Yeah.
2: Any of my more complex plants that I've taken care of—I mean, I, I didn't pick them up at my local hardware store, you know. It it so those those in general will make the list of easy mm-hmm. care for you.
1: Well, our friend Abby asks: Are there any plants to avoid if you have pets or small kids?
2: Absolutely. Totally. And I intentionally split up my list, okay? So the easy plants that I just listed off for you, incidentally, are all not pet-friendly. They all make the (laughs) list of poisonous plants, okay? I feel like a lot of plants are not pet-friendly,
1: especially cats who love to eat plants. That's my thing. I want to find a
0: low-maintenance, tolerant, as you've... I like the word tolerant, because I feel like I need a tolerant Mm -hmm. plant that is good for cats, because... That's like that's the struggle I'm facing. I want something low key, but something that's not going to be toxic to a cat or as Abby said, um having a small kid or something like that. Do you have any suggestions for something like that?
2: Yeah, totally. Um I mean, a lot of palms are going to make that list. Um of course, there are some that don't. Always do your research and look things up ahead. Sago palm is kind of the one of the more common display palms that people like to sell and those Those make the poisons list, but, you know, a parlor palm doesn't. And so palms is a great, palms is a great category to look into. And then maranta is also a great category to look into. There's anything called a calathea falls into that family, Mm. Um, like prayer plants fall into that family. So I'm going to, I'm going to say a Latin plant name probably wrong. Maranticea, I want to say scientific names of plants which i do know a lot of them to me are like names in like a fantasy novel you you read them in your head you know and you're like embarrassed to you don't really say them out loud to your friends we all Uh probably say them differently right of of course there are proper pronunciations but (laughs) because i read about plants so much i i feel like i've logged most of the scientific names and maybe have not said any of them out loud before
0: right
2: (laughs) um (laughs) That, but that family in general is very pet friendly. Spider plants are definitely pet friendly. Uh, bromeliads, uh, also one that you'll commonly see at plant stores, they almost look like the top of a pineapple, and they have a bright colored flower in the center. Often, uh, yeah. In fact, I've seen those in <laughs> are, Yes. In fact, um, pineapples are bromeliads. Um, oh, cool! Some succulents too, but you have to look up oh. the variety. Echeveria and, and Haworthia are the two common ones that are pet-friendly. But, I mean, not all succulents are pet-friendly. The the other thing I'll yeah. say about pets, you know, I have a dog at home. She likes to put her face in the soil sometimes, especially if I'm using natural fertilizers or anything that has kind of an exciting smell to her. Um, but, you know, I have a lot of my plants on plant stands, so they're up out of her out of her reach, or mm-hmm. some of them are hanging, Right. Um, that's probably a better way to go for cats, because I know, you know, a, a plant, even on a plant stand, is not really out of reach of a cat, of course. Um, or, I mean, it depends on what your level of, of plant interest is. Mm-hmm. My sister also is a tropical plant collector, and she has two cats, and there's actually a room in her house that is, is, is just closed to the cats. They don't, they're not allowed in that part of the house because, uh-huh. you know, it's full of poisonous plants. Right. <laughs> so, you know, she's, <laughs> yeah. she's she sort of cordoned off an area for that part of her collection. But, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's the type of thing, um, you know, look, look up online, pet friendly plants. There'll be a lot of basic lists put together for you, or even some pet stores will merchandise an area. Like these okay. are the cat friendly plants. Um, I know that's pretty common here to see in Brooklyn. Um, and kids, um I mean, I don't have I don't have kids here in this house. <laughs> uh, the biggest problem with kids, really, is just if they're gonna try and eat it. Most of the time, that's gonna be the issue with safety. But I will bring up the saps of plants, which maybe sounds funny, but um, a lot of euphorbia. It's a cacti family. You know, if, if a piece of it breaks, you'll see this white milky sap come out of it. Uh-huh. And that's highly toxic and it's highly irritant. It's, it's an aggressive irritant. You know, a lot of those plants, it, it's either going to be that they broke a piece and they shouldn't touch the sap inside or they decided to taste some.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
2: you know, Good to that,
1: know,
2: not to say okay. that that isn't a common problem with kids, <laughs>
1: I yeah. I mean, <laughs> they'll try to eat anything sometimes yeah no,
2: totally totally i mean yeah. of course i'll recommend for kids and for pets you know you want to be safe pick ones that you know are not going to yeah. be a danger just it don't have the like others around
1: line, like i'll just always do your research <laughs> yeah. double check and put, put and put them up high put them up high they can't reach them yeah mm-hmm. yeah
2: That's although fair. again with cats Watch where you put them up high. You yeah, I'll be totally out of reach. <laughs>
1: You're right, right there. You're right there. Got a cat swinging from a pothos or something. Oh, for yeah, sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what about air plants? I feel like, like I got into oh. air plants within the last year. I feel like they're like kind of trendy at the moment. But like
0: those are the little ones, right? Think... The little like they're like
2: they're often yeah. little. Yeah. I'm
0: I'm making a hands. Um, <laughs>
2: Laura's making a like little a like a fireworks. Yeah, catcher, yeah. Kinda.
0: <laughs> that's that's an yeah. airplane, right?
2: Totally. Okay, totally. you're okay. making that's, the hand yeah. shape of a Tillandsia. Yeah, uh, which would be the <laughs> most common air plant we see around. Um, which actually can get really big. We're used to seeing them small in the plant stores, but mm-hmm. you know they they grow two feet bigger even. Wow, they, they can become really giant. Um, mm-hmm. And also, um, air plants are going to make our Safer Plants list. At least Tillandsia is. The, okay, good m- to know. the more common form. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that air plants are great. They're, they're, they're a lot of fun because, of course, it's just a... I don't know if all of our listeners have seen air plants before in the store, but it's not a plant in a pot. Okay, these plants in the wild would grow stuck to bark or growing off of something else. And, and so when we have them in our homes, I mean, it's just, it's a free standing plate. That's it. You just put it on mm-hmm. your counter. You put it in a dish. Some people uh-huh. put them in um, display hangers. Um, they're a lot of fun because it's just a different look and it's kind of fun decoratively, mm-hmm. which maybe is sort of a controversy to say <laughs> with plants. We don't want to treat them like accessories, of course. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> um, airplanes can be pretty easy. They need a bath once a week, usually. Mm-hmm. You you just fill your sink or a vessel and, and submerge your air plant and give them a little soak. Um, some people mist them. If you're going to mist them instead of bathing them, off, you have to do that almost every day. But mm-hmm. their their care is pretty basic. Um, I think what's fun about sure. them is the way they they grow new air plants. So uh, off the base of your air plant, a small little pup is going to grow right from the base of it. And eventually become the same size as your plant and then that will happen again off of the base of that new plant and so Mm -hmm. you get these like multi-generational clusters oh cool it's really really cool it's cool the way that they grow yeah
1: i've killed a lot of air plants in the last year i feel like that's my main (laughs) thing lately that i've been killing
2: one watering (laughs) tip i will give you about air plants is after they've been bathed you're going to take your plant and hold it upside down and give it a couple of really firm shakes. Okay. And you'll see, you'll see a, a couple of, you know, a, a quite a bit of water is gonna splash out of all of those little crevices. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why you're experiencing rot, it's just that you're getting some leftover pockets of moisture from the bath staying in the base of your plant. Mm-hmm. So even though they're gonna drink up a bunch of water while they're bathing, we don't really wanna leave the actual plant too wet. After mm-hmm. it's come out of the bath, I think that's why some people tend to go more for the misting because it's just mm-hmm. uh, it may just a little less aggressive, not submerging it in water. But um, yeah, just getting water trapped in between the base of it could could definitely cause some rot. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's kind of a funny issue to have because for my experience when my air plants have died it's because i just forgot (laughs) just you know they they look nice it's not necessarily as obvious like your other plants the leaves might droop because they're thirsty Mm -hmm. like your air plant might not show you those signs before it's too late
0: right (laughs) yeah okay basic basic question here okay how are you actually Mm -hmm. supposed to water your plants and like do you keep a schedule or is this just something in your brain that you just know like I know every Saturday I go around and I do my thing? Like how do you keep it organized, I guess? And like how are you actually supposed to water plants? That's such a basic question, but I feel mm. like I feel like I'm doing it wrong, so No, it's, but this it's is basic. such a
1: good question. Because yeah. like yeah. I've learned so much about this from Phil. That like it's it's not straightforward.
2: Okay, <laughs> it's sort of not straightforward. And okay, so yes, it's it's on the list of uh, maybe more basic questions to you, but it's definitely super important that your plants are getting moisture properly. Right, definitely, the most likely cause of death is overwatering. Probably root rot is going to be our is going to make the list of most common <laughs> issues. So, without sounding Too complicated? No, I do not have a watering schedule. I do not water the same day every week. I water when my plants need it. So uh, that may sound like a gross oversimplification, but
0: (laughs) no. But I feel like sometimes we get we get all like you know in our heads. So I yeah I get it. All right, so yeah. Totally.
2: So really, the bottom line is what does the soil feel like? So I use my finger. I push my finger into the soil to see what level of moisture I'm feeling. The more you do this, the more you're gonna get to understand why moist soil doesn't feel like damp soil, or that that that's something that sort of just comes with experience. It sounds funny, but when you feel the soil wet, feels wet. Moisture in the soil, you know, your finger's not gonna come out of the soil wet. It's Probably not gonna be all sticky with, you know, a moist soil, means you can feel the the humidity in it, but not the water in it necessarily. Gotcha, okay. Okay. So, I, I, I don't want that to become an intimidating sounding thing, but I definitely always promote the moisture, using your finger as your moisture meter. Get to know how the soil should feel. Now, where this differs is some plants want to be watered when the soil is totally dry, or when just the top two inches are dry, Or the list goes on. Lots of plants have different needs that way. Pretty simple to find out just by looking up your type of plant, how their soil likes to be kept. However, because this is my method, I end up watering plants almost every day. Okay. Because I feel the plants and if it feels like it's ready to be watered, It's ready to be watered. Sometimes that does mean lots of them need to be watered on the same day, and I do end up having bigger watering days. However, on watering day, if I go and feel the soil on my philodendron and it just feels a little too damp, it's not getting water that day. And Bottom Mm. line, that's how I'm choosing when to water.
0: Gotcha. Mm -hmm.
2: So maybe that sounds a little advanced. I promise you it's not. Just... Keep touching your soil. You're gonna learn it, and and it 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 sounds it sounds like such a skill, but it just it isn't. It is it, it it will become a much more natural way for you to know when your plants want to be watered. Now, how I water, I think is important, because I water really deeply and thoroughly. When I water <laughs> my plants, I don't pour a bit of water from a watering can into the planter. I take my plant and I either. Put it outside, or I put it in a bucket, or I put it in my tub, so that I'm watering, and the water is flowing through and out the drainage. And okay. I'm continuing to do that until I know that the soil has been well soaked. There's um, there's a shop here in Brooklyn called Tula House that I went to um, a little class at that we were talking about watering, and one of the great tips that I got there was um now this was a smaller pot okay so it's a little four inch pot that she's holding she put it under the water let the water run through the soil pulled it out so okay we're letting the water drip out of the the pot and then she repeated this two or three times and what she said was she's waiting until she can feel a bit of that weight stay in the soil
0: Ah, so interesting So I, Interesting.
2: I know, that, I know that this is kind of non-technical because I'm describing a lot of methods that are just based on feel, but I think that that is... I mean, it's going to get you really in tune with your plants and how they like yeah. to grow and how they like to be cared for. So, yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of the best actual ways to do it. I'm gonna run water through my plant two or three times. And when I really feel that soil take on a bit of weight, I feel the pot is heavier. I know that it's it's taken on what it wants.
1: So Phil, this brings me to my most burning question. Talk to me about pots with no drainage holes. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Why, like, is there any plant that should be in that pot? Because I feel like every time I go to, like, um, TJ Maxx or whatever. Oh, shoot. Um, Like, I feel like the cutest pots don't have drainage holes. And I'm like, I can't work with you. Why are we here? What's happening? (laughs) Totally. Like, Phil, does this drive you insane? Or is there something I don't know? Like, what's going
2: on? Okay, so I... I, This is a bit of a myth, for sure. Pots do not necessarily need drainage holes, but your plant still needs proper drainage. And what I mean by that is, is your soil mixture proper in that the water can flow through it well? So even though there's no drainage, when we put a bit of water in there, is the soil just becoming soaked and soggy? Or is it loose enough soil that we're not worried about all of the water trapped around the roots. It You can have plants in a planter without drainage holes if your soil mix is right, basically. Okay. Now, the other thing you're gonna have to do is probably not water as often and, and pay more attention to the moisture level in your, in your pot. Definitely a lot of people will say, you must have drainage because we're worried about water getting built up inside the pot the plant drowning or getting mm-hmm. root rot
1: and it just all seems reasonable worries to know when you've watered it enough because you can see the water come out the bottom like it I does. feel like that's such an important part of watering your plants
2: <laughs> it does <laughs> it does of course people who use planters without drainage i mean that is probably just because aesthetically it's a planter they want to use it's cute we want to use it that's fine
1: mm-hmm. but it's
2: really just about making sure that your 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 soil is not too heavy and wet to, to mm-hmm. do so um now i have some of my plants in planters that don't have drainage but secretly they're not planted in there they're planted in like a liner pot basically uh-huh and mm-hmm. so every time i water that plant i'm lifting it out taking it to water it and then i'm dropping it back in that okay. pot without drainage
1: yeah that's a good option that's a yeah. good option yeah Also, back to the watering thing, I wanted to point out that I recently bought myself one of those actual moisture meters that measures moisture, light, and pH. What's that? So it's this thing with, like, two, like, metal prongs coming off of it, and so you switch it to moisture, and then there's, like, a dial on it, and you stick this down, like, pretty far deep into the root area of your plant, and then it'll tell you how wet the soil is, but then they often come with a chart on the back for different kinds of plants being like this plant likes to be watered when it's at a number three or below or a number six or below. (laughs) And it has been like amazing for me when I water my plants now because I'm not as good as Phil. I basically like on Sundays I go around and water my plants, but I've been checking their moisture levels and it gives me a better sense of like how much water I should give them or like today, my snake plants were fine, so I didn't water them. So okay. it, it has been helping me get more in tune with them without actually having to put my finger <laughs> in the soil. <laughs> because
2: okay, also, yes. Yes. some of
1: my plants, I feel like it's hard to get my finger in there. <laughs> <You
2: know? laughs> That's totally fair. And yes, for listeners who just want the bottom line, a hard answer Moisture meters are great. I didn't know that was yeah. a
0: thing. <laughs> like, I didn't even know. Like, like we got a link that. I just that. learned
1: it recently. Yeah. Yeah, we'll definitely link this in the show notes. Yeah.
2: And on that, and on that, Sarah, you mentioned that it also had a, a feature of a light meter on it. I think this is also a really fantastic learning device for people who are getting into plants because um, just the idea of what is direct light, what's indirect light, what's partial low light, what, you know... Your Mm -hmm. light meter is going to give you like pretty explicit data to base that off of. And I think that a lot of people would be surprised that um, your plant in the corner of the room may look like it's in, you know, an okay low light place, but you might not be giving it as much light as you think you are.
0: Wow, that's so, I had no idea this was even a thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah,
1: Laura, listen, listen go in.
0: <laughs> I've, I've dabbled in plant TikTok and one of the things I've seen the most mentioned is this thing called propagation. So mm-hmm. I know yeah, as a course. novice, the, the basic idea of it, but what is propagation and how do you do it? And, um, do you do it all the time or how often do you propagate?
2: Yeah. I mean, I definitely propagate all the time (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think propagating is one of the most fun things about plant owning propagating just means that we are taking a piece of a plant and we are making a new plant out of that piece Um, there's lots of different methods probably the most common one that you're going to see is just a cutting in water Uh, lots of tropical plants especially vining tropical plants are all going to be able to be propagate it this way um, generally yeah cutting pieces and putting them in water directly in soil sometimes in moss you know lots of different propagation mediums are used but basically lots of our plants can be really easily multiplied um, which is really fun for the hobby houseplant plant owner because it, it makes it into a bit of a fun experiment and then you also get to share your plants and trade plants with people lots of my plants are A result of me swapping propagated clippings with my other friends who also have
0: have you ever illegally propagated (laughs) have you ever like gone into a store and been like snip because i've heard people do this so (laughs) i want to know I won't rat you out. It's only going to go on a podcast. I don't know why you'd be afraid to say anything. Uh,
2: uh, That is possibly something I may have done.
0: I'm just saying it's a thing. You could also walk around your neighborhood. Yeah,
1: go walk around your neighborhood, right? I've taken stuff from my neighborhood and propagated it. Yeah,
2: Yeah, totally. But how do you know what what to
0: snip? Do you just snip anything? yeah.
2: (laughs) No, not necessarily. Okay, walk me through it. You kind of have to know... You sort of need to know the way that your plant grows. Now, the reason that most plants grow by cutting is, is because the, the, most of those plants are growing on vines. And when you look at your tropical plant, like your pothos, okay? Basic pothos that most people have around. If you look at the vine, every leaf that's coming off of that vine at the base of it has a little knuckle. I'll describe it, in, in the mm-hmm. vine um, that we call a node. Okay, so that spot is what you need to successfully propagate. That is where your new plant is going to grow from.
1: It, is sometimes that where, is d- where roots grow from or new leaves grow from that?
2: Yeah, you, you would see some roots probably growing out of that knuckle or okay. at least, you know, maybe the plant would attempt to put out roots there. It would be, if that plant was left un- cut, we're not propagating it, each of those nodes in the wild would probably grow aerial roots. Aerial Mm -hmm. roots are the roots that plants grow in order to hold on to something and climb it.
0: Oh, okay. okay. So from
2: from each of those spots is where those aerial roots would grow, or if the plant gets broken or damaged, that's where new growth is going to come from. So that is the spot we're looking for when we're we're making a clipping to propagate. Okay. That's really cool. I think something that is fun just to throw in there, look up the hashtag propagation and follow it. Ooh, you know, you can idea. follow just tags, not and, and I follow the, the tag propagation, and you're going to see <laughs> everybody who's experimenting with all the different methods. It's kind of the best way to research it, I think.
1: That's really fun. Um, so, Phil, you kind of mentioned fertilizer earlier. This is an area that I have not dove into yet because like when I hear fertilizer I think like miracle grow and that sounds scary to me like I want (laughs) you know I want to feed my plants like organic stuff the same way like I like to eat a healthy diet but obviously same way we need to take like a multivitamin I'm guessing our plants like a little help now and then so can you talk to me about fertilizer what should I be doing when do I fertilize which kind do you recommend do I need different ones for different plants like What's going on here?
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I feel like at the start of each question, I'm analyzing how I'm not going to make this sound as intimidating as we already think it is. <laughs> because, yes, I do use different fertilizers for different plants.
1: Hmm.
2: Um, def- okay, so taking this all the way back to the top, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got about plants is... How are you best replicating the environment that plant comes from? Okay. Okay, that so sense. the first thing that you should do when you have a plant is like, where is this plant natural in the wild, and what are those growing conditions? Um, so that, with that in mind, coming back to fertilizer, that y- you may find that some, some things grow in mixes of organic. Grant, you know, like uh, the floor of the jungle, which is a lot of decaying matter, lots of leaves, lots of maybe not as much just growing literally in dirt. So y- mm-hmm. you can imagine there's a lot of different nutrients coming into that soil. Right. There's a lot of different natural decay coming into that soil. So that plant is growing totally different than my cactus that's growing in the desert, right. which has completely this is clicking in for
0: it. me. I'm okay. Yes. <laughs>
2: It's, it's kind of a nice, simple way to think about it, okay? <laughs> like, where does it come from? What does it want based on that? Yeah. So right now, the different types of fertilizer I'm using, the first one is pretty basic. It's just worm castings, which you, you buy in a bag. It looks like soil. It's exactly what it sounds like. Basically, I'm sprinkling those worm castings on the surface of my soil, and every mm-hmm. time I water, more and more of it is seeping and in. And how often are you doing the that? Nutrients during this spring summer season, I'm doing it every time I water.
1: Okay, it's like
2: sort of a big growth season, a big push for growth season. I don't want to miscommunicate and say that you shouldn't fertilize in the winter, but your plants need a bit less in the winter. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Not to propel a myth there. Your plants need less in the winter because there's a bit less light, so your soil's probably not drying out as fast, so you're probably not watering as often. It's just that you're pumping the brakes a bit. It's not because they're fully dormant or they're not doing anything or anything like that. Okay. Okay, okay, so then now it's spring-summer. I'm making sure that the plants are getting all the nutrients they want, and I know that a lot of them are going to be in a bit of a push of growth because I'm getting way more natural sunlight in the house. It's a little warmer. That's just the natural growth cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, Other types of fertilizer, I'm using one of them, which we can... Link in show notes is um, actually a fish waste based fertilizer. Both of our faces um, went hmm? <laughs> kombucha girl. Uh, <laughs> if you're at home and you have a fish tank and you do your you know weekly changeover of your fish water or anytime you do a big change out of your freshwater tank, that water is really spectacular. Wow, oh, um, that's cool. So th- you may you may even see sometimes like a novelty planter, you know, where it's a, a little beta fish living with a plant in it or right. the, the yeah. the, the fish eating and pooping and everything in the water is providing so many good nutrients. It's fish water is great to use for it's your plants. A so part that, of
1: an ecosystem. Wow. Totally.
2: So that definitely makes the list of, of natural um, products that you're talking about, Sarah, that can mm-hmm. be used. And then I'm gonna, uh, endorse one more called liquid dirt. um, mm-hmm. It's, it's another one that really ranks high on the list for natural, uh, natural ingredients, and we're not worried about so many chemicals in our fertilizers, um, but it's also one that sort of totes itself as great for any plant. Okay. Um, it's pretty new for me to be using, so I can't really tell you that I have used it long enough to see the, the change in my plants, but it's the newest one I've been reading about and one that I'm investing some experimenting time into currently.
0: Yeah, okay. and we will and, link and all of these, right?
2: We're going to link yeah. all of these? Okay. Is yeah. that
1: one you just, like, mix with your water when you water it or something? Yeah,
2: yeah. A lot of these, uh, well, actually all of the three natural examples I just gave are, are mixed with water. You make, like, a tea, basically. Oh,
0: okay, okay cool. Yes. Yeah. Cool. that's not yeah. what I would think of originally with fertilizer, but that, now that sounds like, oh, you just mix it together, you're done.
2: I mean, look, I'm, I'm also at a certain level of experience with plants, you know, so mm-hmm. I'll, t- I'll, I'll say uh, just for like a confession of my, my level with plant experience, soil mixes and fertilizers are my uh, current focus of personal research.
1: Our friend Shannon, when we asked for questions, <laughs> she said... Soil. I need to replant all of my plants. Apparently miracle Grow is bad. I have fungus gnats in almost all of my plants. I don't know which kind of soil to use, how much perlite and other stuff to mix in. Does everything need a different mix? It's stressing me out.
2: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Shannon, I feel you on that. What is perlite? Can
0: someone explain what perlite is?
2: Yeah, perlite is... um, it's a natural mineral derivative. Um, it it's the stuff that kind of almost looks like little styrofoam balls in your okay. soil.
0: Okay, gotcha. Okay. Uh,
2: <laughs> and it's really light, uh, and it's 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 kind of a perfect aggregate to mix into your soil. It's gonna create more oxygen flow, more water flow. Um, I don't want to say that Miracle Grow is bad necessarily.
1: Okay, good. To However.
2: Know. I don't use, I, I, I'll i say that I, I'll say I do not use any soil straight out of the bag. Basically. Oh. I, I feel comfortable saying that. Okay. Um, <laughs> Kind of think about, I mean, I, my, my, I should say my soil, like miracle Grow bags, I, I will buy and pour those in my planters when I'm growing my tomatoes in the summer, or if I'm putting out a, a planter of, you know, just perennials on the patio. But... The soil that my tomatoes grow in, I mean, I couldn't just like put an orchid in there and think that it will be the same.
0: Right. Right, yeah.
2: Totally goes right back to that same line, where's your plant from? You know, how are you replicating that environment? That thick, dense, peaty, moisture-heavy, miracle grow soil, like where do you know of that growing naturally? You know, like, uh, uh, it's just too heavy for a lot of the tropical plants that we're Mm -hmm. growing, hobbying at home. So perlite, definitely number one, I mix almost 50, 50. I mean, I really, I really cut it a lot. You want your water to be able to flow through easily and air. Like if you think about your soil being too compacted and too dense and I pour water in and water's just not getting to some of those roots, well, mm-hmm. then, like oxygen's not getting to those roots either,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
2: So, definitely think about that loose texture when when you're thinking about mm-hmm. your soil mixes. Um, fungus gnats, your soil is definitely too wet. It's staying too wet. Um, that's how fungus gnats develop. It's just you know having that that moisture level sticking around too long. Um, you probably need to let your soil dry, dry out more in between waterings, or it could be just that your soil mix is too heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I've gotten fungus gnats before. That's pretty normal and, and and easy to take care of. Just let your soil dry out in between. You might wanna remove some of the top layer if it's just feeling like too muddy. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I. I just gotta keep going back to soil mix. It's gotta, it's gotta have good water flow. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just. <laughs> um, but that being said, um, you know, some of my plants aren't in soil at all. I have some plants that are just growing in bark, some that are just growing in sphagnum moss or peat moss, or. Um, I don't want it to sound like. Every single plant is going to have a different soil mix, but look up the family that your plants are in because yeah, uh, all of these tropical varieties, they probably want more organic matter in them and they probably want more aggregate breaking up the water flow in them for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So we have an, we have another question from Kelly that has to do with like repotting plants. Made me think of mm-hmm. that when you're talking about like, oh, maybe you just want to take some out. So um, she asked, how do you repot plants and how often should it be done? If I want a plant to grow bigger, does it need a bigger pot?
2: Okay. No. If your plant, if you want your plant to go bigger, it does not necessarily equate a larger pot. Okay. Definitely not. Um, plants don't really need to be... Uh, repotted as often as we think they do. I remember this sort of being like a shattered uh, uh, realization for me (laughs) in my (laughs) early years of plant experimenting. They don't need a new pot every year, you know, every three years, maybe even more for some plants. Um, Mm -hmm. It can definitely be different when we're, when we buy little tiny baby plants and, you know, they're growing and they're kind of they're, they're going up the scale through these different series of small pots. That's a lot different than my mature plant that's been living in this pot for a while. It's probably not going to need to be upgraded as soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so general rule of thumb when you're repotting, you shouldn't really go more than an inch and a half wider or deeper than the pot it's already in. Okay. 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 So, so our, our upgrade is not dramatic almost ever. Yeah, the uh, the only other tip that I really want to shout out when you're repotting is, you know, you pull your plant out of your old pot and you you see the shape of the pot still in your soil ball. You know, it's like this dense shape, exactly like your pot. You want to like loosen that up. Mm. You, you really want to give it a good shake. You really want to put your, your fingers into the roots and sort of loosen them out and shake some of that dense soil out so that when you're putting it in the new pot, all of that new soil is really like getting into mm-hmm. all of the, areas gotcha. of the roots and you, yeah you know um, don't don't just drop it in the new pot and and let it sit in there
0: um Caitlin Bishop wrote in I've had a plan oh uh, hi Caitlin. yeah she's another avid uh, listener and follower so hi Caitlin. Uh,
2: Caitlin and I went to uh, we grew up together
0: oh you did oh Oh,
2: small world! Yeah, uh, okay, hi. shout out Caitlin. I was
0: like, oh, feels <laughs> <Phil's> so friendly. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> okay, awesome. so what Caitlin, Caitlin ask? asks, "I've had a plant for years. All of a sudden, it's not thriving. Nothing has changed, so I'm confused." So, when you hear something like that, what are some of the questions that you run through to sort of figure out how to problem solve that random plant just like deciding to
2: quit? <laughs> like, yeah. What's your thought process on I mean, if nothing has changed, then I'm starting to think, what haven't I done for this plant? Like, has it been an extremely long time since I fertilized it? You know, maybe nothing has changed as in it's in the same spot and I water it the same schedule and all of those things. Maybe the soil has become denutriented over time and I have to get some fertilizer in there and get some nutrition back into it. Could be. Um, has it been long enough in this pot that it's sad because it's outgrowing its space? Also possible. Um, am I growing it right? You know, like, even though it's done really well thus far, um, like, is it an epiphytic plant? An epiphyte is a plant that grows partially on a tree and partially in the soil. Okay. So it's going to want a different type of soil mix. Will it grow in the wrong soil mix for a while? Yeah, totally. But eventually, over a long period of time, it may start showing bad health because it's not ultimately the best thing for it to be in. So it could just be that it's taken time for a bad condition to show signs on your plant. Um, maybe Maybe it's not growing the way it totally would in the wild either. Like, am I growing it as a hanging plant when it wants to climb. Mm. That that over time can start showing a smaller looking growth on the plant. It will only get bigger if I offer it something to climb on. That's totally true for lots of plants. Um, Is it getting leggy or reaching? It might be about it looking for more light. The thing is that maybe your plant has been growing for a long time and now it's reached a maturity or a size where it just wants more. It's kind of... Hard to say. I mean, in this specific instance, I'm going to say Caitlin text me pictures, and then we'll talk about it more. <laughs> it's hard to say without knowing um, exactly the conditions. But one of the thing I want to bring up that I kind of lightly talked about is aerating. So my my plant has been in a pot. I'm watering it over and over and over again mm. on its normal schedule, and every time I water it, that soil is settling and compacting, and over time. That's going to settle and compact into a ball where it's maybe not being penetrated by water or air anymore so aerating is giving that back to the plan and what I do is just take a chopstick and I push it into the surface oh. as deep as I can all over the place you know you're puncturing that compacted ball of soil to get pass pass air passage and water passage back into your soil um, that's something that happens really naturally to all potted plants and over time it's going to stop getting as much air and water as it normally is that could definitely be
1: yeah like the thing I always like remember is like these plants grow in the wild you know like no one's taking care of them or whatever and yeah like I you know had the, the snake plant Taylor Swift here in my office she had shriveled up And I I texted you about it, and she had shriveled up for months, and then I changed my watering schedule after I got that water moisture meter and realized I had been severely underwatering it because you always hear, like, oh, snake plants, you barely have to water them. Apparently, you got to water them more than I was. And this plant perked back up. It looks like brand new, and it grew a pup out of the side, so it has, like, a whole new plant growing up out of it. It's just... They're incredible. You you got to respect them, you know?
2: Yes, totally. Well, that's all you need. Yeah. I mean, all you needed to see was that one brand new pup, and it, like, completely re-en- re-energized your plant parenting yeah. energy.
1: <laughs> and that pup has, like, already gone through puberty. It's, like, almost a full-leaf yes, party. It's totally. crazy. I'm like, <laughs> slow down, buddy. We just met. But Okay. <laughs> Phil we got right into the plant stuff but one
0: thing we haven't mentioned about your besides being a stylist and just being all around like encyclopedia of plant knowledge you're from Canada so I
1: am if you couldn't tell from his accent
2: (laughs) sometimes I don't know people.
1: I don't think I don't think he
0: threw an A in there so maybe people didn't know that (laughs) um no
2: it's true talk
0: to us about canada <laughs> what is it like to be canadian in america like what's the best food you like tr- like i don't know if someone's going to canada specifically maybe where you're from in canada what should they be eating like talk to us about canada just for a hot sec
1: also which um you know state are you from
2: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i texted sarah about that a couple of episodes ago wait is it a state ago, it came up uh, no, in it's in a province. they're called provinces. Okay, we're uh, <laughs> so I'm from the province of Ontario. State.
1: I'm just making a joke. Yeah,
2: of course. <laughs> yeah, I'm from Ontario. I I grew up about an hour outside of Toronto in in a rural farming town that's pretty small. Um, but I mean, I I I love Canada. Of course, I have a lot of great pride for being for being from Canada, and uh, it's <laughs> it's definitely. You asked about food and it's kind of throwing me because I'm from Ontario. It's super British. We eat a lot of like, not that exciting food, you know, a lot of.
0: (laughs) Is it true that that, like Canadians love their poutine? Is that a true like cliche or is that overhyped here in the States?
2: It's sort of a true cliche, except that poutine is French Canadian. So it is. Kind of specifically a Quebec thing. Okay. That being said, you can get it at most restaurants across the country for sure. But it is kind of like a celebrated Montreal thing.
0: Gotcha. Um, Good to know. Which both of my okay.
2: parents, both of my parents are born and raised in Montreal, so I definitely grew up with a, a healthy relationship to eating lots of poutine for <laughs> sure. Yes.
0: And I've been saying it I, wrong this whole time. It's poutine.
1: It's poutine.
2: Maybe that's just a a more proper pronunciation, I guess. Poutine, as I would hear it in this country, right?
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah, well, we're also idiots here, so... Poutine. Poutine.
2: Yeah. Poutine. En français, je dis poutine. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Sounds right. (laughs) Listen, my French... My French is not good. I would say, actually, just
2: en poutine. En poutine. You know, the, the, the one thing that I find that's really different here versus in Canada... It's like a pretty hard rule in Canada that the cheese is cheese curd.
0: Yeah. Gotta be. Gotta be. You can't
2: mess around with that. Yeah. No, like changing it to shredded cheddar or anything crazy like that. Yeah.
0: Mm No. Those are just cheese fries. (laughs) Like, get it right.
2: Totally. Totally.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Phil. We always end with one question for our guests, and that is, what is your favorite pizza? So either Ooh. favorite pizza place, favorite style of pizza, best pizza you've ever had. I don't know. What's
1: your favorite pizza?
2: Pizza. W- and this
1: will be interesting for you because you are lactose intolerant. I'm a non-dairy. Oh, there you go.
0: Okay. Good, good info. That doesn't
2: stop me from enjoying pizza, though. There is a great pizza place around here. They do traditional Italian brick oven style, which is key with no cheese because... that slice has to hold Mm -hmm. you know it's got to be nice and rigid and not and not be spilling melted cheese and ingredients and so i like a brick oven pizza with just sauce olives anchovies maybe some fresh herbs
0: Phil, you and it. me buddy you and me i love yes, all that yeah, stuff totally
2: yeah <laughs> and you know with those being my favorite pizza toppings i can usually guarantee that nobody's going to steal a slice from me either
1: <laughs> i would yeah you don't even he have choose. i would i love all that oh pungent gosh. stuff
2: <laughs> what good well then what's we the gotta share this place oh there's a place right by here called union pizza works it's a fantastic neighborhood pizza place we love it
0: Ooh, great recommendation uh, definitely
2: nice. check it out yeah, for sure.
1: Awesome. Fill yeah. your font That's of the- knowledge. Oh, Phil. You are like, th- like we will not give everyone your personal uh, phone number because we don't need. <laughs> Can all you even imagine? <laughs> I gotta keep you for myself. <laughs>
2: Who knows? Maybe that would then just propel me into that fantasy career we talked about at the top. I
1: mean, hey, you could You do could it. be like the <laughs> Doctor Phil to. of Plants. Think about it. <laughs>
2: That's <right>. Totally, totally. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, you could totally have like a talk show where you just or like start a podcast where people just call in with plant That's questions. It. That's it. That's it. Phil.
2: I'm joining your network, guys. Done. Okay, we'll put
1: you on. We'll, we'll get you on.
2: Awesome. Awesome. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but thank you so much. Like I Yeah, this is so been great. to get this one out there and Yeah. and I'm about to go walk around my house and look at my plants <laughs> with fresh eyes.
2: Me too. Me too. <laughs> Got to do some afternoon misting and refill the humidifiers. Yeah. <laughs> thank you very much, you guys, That's for awesome. having me on. It was a lot thank of fun. Thank you. It was so fun. I love we love players. you. Of course, love you guys too. <laughs>
1: So we got an email from a listener asking for recommendations for Lancaster.
0: Yes, this is from Carissa from Scranton, Pennsylvania. She says, Hi, ladies, listener of the show. My fiancé and I will be visiting Lancaster for the night in two weeks. I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for things to do and restaurants. We will be going to Luca for dinner since I heard you ladies talk about that way back and it sounds delicious and similar to a place we would love back at home in Scranton. Who makes the best latte? Where is a great place to go after dinner to listen to live music? I realized I didn't answer that question, so I'll answer it on air. Okay. <laughs> I emailed Carissa just in case she was going before this episode was released. So um, mm-hmm. I will say the best place to listen to live music is definitely us 360, which oh, yeah. um, I don't know if they're still doing shows, so you might
1: be able to go on the roof.
0: Yeah, they might have like a roof deck situation going on. Yeah, but they have multi-level uh, performance spaces, so anything That's from right. like an Irish like an Irish uh, band would be playing to like a house dance party to mm-hmm. a jazz group. So
2: really yeah. anything,
0: tell us Three Hundred and Sixty would be my recommendation. Okay, but breakfast slash cafes for. A beginner of Lancaster, I would say go to Square One for the best lattes. I love Passenger Coffee, Mm -hmm. um, but they do not really have, like, right now they don't have a sitting space at all. Mm -hmm. Like, everything's blocked off. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say they also don't have internet. So if you're trying to, like, have a little work sesh, Passenger may not be your choice. Mm -hmm. But if you're on your way to the market, go to Passenger Coffee. Um, But, yeah, Square One has the best latte. Um, They have a really cute outdoor patio space in the back, and it's right next to the Lancaster Sweet Shop. so Which smells amazing. Oh, my gosh. They sell, like, the best cookies and, like, pastries. Mm -hmm. I will say Passenger has an amazing mocha. Oh, and a good cappuccino. Mm Mm-hmm. So... I mean you can't go pick a wrong, go with wrong. one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I would say really fun is getting passenger and then walking into Lancaster Market. I know you're wearing masks, but like mm-hmm. um it's right there. Go get a cappuccino and then go into the Lancaster Market, explore the stands, and then have you need to go to Rick's bread and you need to get the croissant that's either filled with jam or chocolate. Mm. They're huge. They're like this big, <laughs> they're enormous, mm-hmm. but they're really good. And that's like a favorite breakfast thing. Also, the Bread Peddler, their breakfast tacos are bomb. Um, Yeah, I mean, those, so Square One, Passenger, Copper Cup, Bread Peddler for like actual breakfast. And then Lancaster Market's another good recommendation. Yeah. I would also throw in that Rachel's Mm Crapery is kind of a breakfasty spot. Yeah. Um, I put them in as a lunch option, but. They have a lot of like breakfast ish things. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: It's like um, a brunch.
0: Yeah, good brunch spot. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other? Ones? I mean Chestnut Hill Cafe was cute. Yes, always weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> always weird. Um, but but very quirky and and more hipster. off the beaten path. Yeah, more residential, like a nice area to like get a coffee and just walk around.
0: Yeah, they explore, look at all the old houses and stuff. Yeah, actually, yeah, that would be a great recommendation. Mm -hmm. Explore the West End a little bit.
1: What's the Orange Orange Street Cafe? On Orange. Yeah.
0: On Orange is great. Okay. They're closed right now, though.
1: (laughs) Great. (laughs) Yeah. Well, for future reference, go to On Orange for breakfast and get their, like, um, Swedish oat pancakes. Yeah, they're
0: very good. And I will say, I just, I used to have a blog post with all of these listed, but it's very outdated. Maybe I need to update that.
1: Well, we can link to it.
0: Yeah. It's old, but you know, yeah, some of these just be like on there. double
1: check the websites for these places in case they're closed yeah. for COVID times or something.
0: Yeah. But
1: on orange is another good one
2: for yeah.
0: lunch. Um, I said Rachel's cafe and Crapery, Um, but that could also be like a brunch option. Sprout is a Vietnamese, um, restaurant. They're doing takeout only right now, but it's right downtown. Delicious. Super cheap. Get a banh mi. Thank me later. Okay. Also, Calabar um, is a butchery turned into like this little niche restaurant lunch spot. Great burgers. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. Yeah, they also do a really good breakfast sandwich too. So that would be another sort of mm. breakfasty lunch situation. I miss Lancaster. I know. <laughs> I know. It's such a good place. Yeah. Um, it really is. To me, Lancaster is the best in terms of size, walkability, mm-hmm. and restaurants. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Like you can really can't go wrong. Post COVID, take a little weekend. Yeah, go in Lancaster. It's the perfect little weekend getaway. Yeah. Um, so what about dinner? Dinner we can both talk about. Yeah. Um, Luca, which um, I believe you said you already have planned, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, get their alentica and their Aperol spritz over a margarita pizza, a little gem lettuce salad. I know mm. a salad. You're like really.
1: That salad is so good, and get the butterscotch budino for dessert. Absolutely, ugh, so delicious.
0: Yeah. Um. Also, just if you order anything from their menu, it's gonna be fantastic. So yeah. mm-hmm. you can't go wrong. Um. The Horse Inn is Loki, my favorite restaurant in Lancaster. So good. It's a speakeasy style restaurant, and it's on the second floor.
1: So it's an old barn. Um. That they. Yeah. It's like the actual. <laughs> The one bar, because they technically have two, but yeah. the one bar is like the original speakeasy bar that's up in the like yeah. hayloft of this <laughs> of this old barn. Yeah. And now it's like a cool restaurant. It's so cool. Oh, they've had live music there too. Yeah,
0: that's actually they they have a great jazz band that comes on Fridays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Their drinks are so they are, good. They do not accept reservations. So Actually I, I think they are for COVID times. Oh, that's good. Yeah.
1: I think you can make a reservation there right now. Oh, my gosh. Well, you got to do that because they have the best cocktails. Oh, my God. You don't have a reservation, so we've gone before with friends, and the plan is you hang out by the bar that's, like, on the edge of the restaurant while you wait for a table. And and then their drinks are, are, like, double strong. And it takes a while to get your table. So by the time you sit down, I'm blasted. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, But their food's really good, too. Their food's
0: good, but the cocktails are top notch. Yeah. Also, they were nominated for a James Beard Award for their cocktails. Oh, so nice. good for them. So you know it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, just show up at the bar and enjoy the vibes. It's just a really fun place. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it will be like in COVID, but right. <laughs> regular situation, just a really fun time. If I were to take like a total stranger to Lancaster... I would probably take them to the horse inn for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's great. It's great. Um, Himalayan uh, Korean grill is literally the best Indian food I have ever had. I'm just saying, this is the best Indian restaurant I've ever had. I and don't think I've eaten there yet. I don't think we've taken you because we're afraid of the spice. Spicy, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm but, a hazard. But they, reliability, not I everything guess. is super spicy. Right. Like they definitely have very approachable options. But I will tell you, anything you order from their restaurant is amazing. It's a hole in the wall. Not, I don't mean a hole in the wall, meaning it looks like nothing. It's a very adorable place. It's just super tiny. Mm-hmm. And I believe they're only doing takeout. But if it's mm-hmm. like a rainy night and you can't get a reservation somewhere... Highly recommend if you love Indian food. And then finally, my last recommendation is Callaloo, which is a Trinidadian restaurant. Um, We used to live right down the street from this place, and it was a problem. And you have Mm -hmm. to order their cassava fries if you're going there.
1: I think I've been there twice, and it was really
0: good. Yeah. It's also a lunch spot, too. So
1: Mm
0: all in all, enjoy. (laughs) Like, there's so many places in Lancaster that I didn't even mention. Like, I didn't talk about the fridge's mac and cheese. Yeah. I didn't talk about, you know, oh, I didn't talk about the ramen place. Um, Isai. There's like a million places. Mm-hmm. What's the place with the brunch, with downtown? Uh, what? Shot and
1: Bottle. Oh. I didn't talk about the press room. I didn't, there's so many different spots. Yeah. Especially right, yeah, and like it's downtown, but it's like a small downtown. I mean, any yeah. block you walk on, you'll probably find a good spot. Yeah. So
0: I'm sorry if this is overwhelming. <laughs> you'll just have to come back. You'll just have to come back. So recommendations. Yes. Do you want to go? I forget what mine is.
1: Yeah, I'll go first. So as a person with boobs.
0: What? I don't know
1: that. <laughs> um, I mean, never, heard of them. <laughs> never heard of them. I think we all know that finding a bra is one of the biggest struggles, like worse than finding jeans. Oh, absolutely. Like, honestly, most people are probably wearing the wrong size of bra. Or struggling through
0: wearing a horribly uncomfortable bra.
1: That's the thing. Finding a bra that fits and that's comfortable is almost impossible. You're finding a diamond in the rough. Seriously. So, um... My recommendation is this bra company called Pepper, which is specifically for people with small boobs. So this is for our A's and B's, okay? Like, I literally don't think they have sizes our beyond Our honor roll
0: students. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
1: Um, yeah, as a small-boobed person myself, this is a constant struggle for me. Um, I've also, like, in my boob research while trying to find bras again. Because, like, I've talked about third love. I still love them, but... And they fit me pretty well, but it still wasn't a perfect fit. And I was realizing, like, as much as I like this bra, I still think there's something up. Yeah. Right? um In my boob research, I discovered that I have what are known as shallow boobs and also, like, wide-set boobs.
0: (laughs) If you didn't know, not all boobs are made the same. They, I mean...
1: Yeah, the amount of this is another thing that blows my mind. Like, so ma half the population has boobs. Yeah, and they're all so different. How can one okay, body let's part be, real. be not, so
0: different? Not half of the. It's more than half, honey. <laughs> it is more than half. Yeah, gentlemen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean we all got them. We all got them in some way or another. But yeah, so the struggle is real. <laughs> but I found this newer company called Pepper. That was made by someone basically like me who has struggled with this their whole life. Um, so they're specifically for small-chested people. And it, they're my new favorite bra company. But specifically, their Limitless Wire-Free bra is my new favorite. Wire-free? Yes. I could never. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. Again, for the A's and B's. <laughs> Yeah, Lara could never. Yeah, I could never.
0: <laughs> but good for you. Yeah.
1: Um, I would describe this bra as kind of like a cross between a bralette and a sports bra. Okay. But it's one that is—it's my new everyday bra. So jealous. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's so comfortable. Like I've come home from work and not taken it off. Like I will wear it until I go to bed. It—it's that comfortable. Um, but I need like. That. I also like their lace bralette and their like kind of standard underwire bra is also very comfortable, but it really does just fit me and my shape so much better. So if you have small boobs and or shallow boobs and or wide set boobs like me, apparently go for it. Like, like Victoria's Secret never would fit me. Those things were whack on this body. Do you remember when we thought Victoria's Secret was our only option for bras? Man, thank God it's not... Do you remember that? I mean... Oh, here's the other thing. I mean, bra-related. When I was, like, trying to figure out if maybe I was a different size, because, you know, there's, like, sister sizes and stuff. And I was at Kohl's, and I was like, well, let me just, like, look at some bras in these other sizes, because their fitting rooms weren't open, so I couldn't actually try them on. I was like, well, let me just look. Um... Stores like that only carry like three sizes. Yeah, I was like, no wonder. Yeah, I mean, thank God for the internet. But before this, like, how would you be able to find a bra that fit you when you? They basically carry three or four sizes.
0: Girl, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I need to go on my own quest because, as someone who's larger chested. Um, I have never found a supportive, comfortable bra that also doesn't look like a granny bra yeah. as a larger chested girl. Mm-hmm. Or it's literally, it's either like, it's a granny bra or mm-hmm. it's baboom,
1: I'm here to seduce you. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I'm There's saying? No There's in-between. no
0: in between for girls like us. It's messed right. up. It ain't right. So Yeah, you
1: have the opposite problem. There
0: ain't no in between and it's wrong.
1: Yeah. So that's why I like third love because it was...
0: Yeah, kind of the happy medium, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah I'm happy with
1: my uh, t-shirt bra, but yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So, I thank God for Pepper. I seriously love this brand. Good, that's um, good for you. So yeah, they're my good wreck.
0: favorite. Good rec. Similar to your recommendation, my recommendation is a swimsuit company. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So another traumatic experience as a woman Ugh. is going swimsuit shopping. Yes. Um, and I remember literally breaking down and crying in many a Kohl's dressing room with Uh my mom in high school. Yeah. Cause it just was never great. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so, Mm -hmm. so then I was on a journey of finding something that was going to fit my body, which is definitely, uh, curvaceous and, (laughs) um, that's not easy to fit. It's either like nursing mom swimsuits or like yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah or like teeny weeny bikinis that there's no uh-huh. way this it will cover anything yeah at all oh yeah so anyway I am here to endorse Aerie as a swimsuit company mm-hmm. um they are all over the internet and I've gotten many mm-hmm. of their ads ignored them but finally I don't know what it was I clicked by and yeah. Um, I second this
1: recommendation.
0: I am so pleasantly surprised at how, um, first of all, how inclusive the brand is inclusive of sizing. I think they could be a little better. I don't think they're super Mm -hmm. expansive in their sizing, but they're better than most, better than most. And in addition to that, like they just, I don't know what magic they're doing, but the swimsuits and the. Fabric mm-hmm. is extremely flattering. Yeah, um, and they're not grandma suits. Mm-hmm. They have anything from cheeky bikinis, like I'm showing off hot girl summer leg. Yeah, to oh, I'm at the beach with my family and I don't want to be showing too much. Yeah, and it all looks cute. So anyway, I got at least three swimsuits from them um, of multiple cuts. So I don't know what they're also affordable.
1: They are, and I love how they have um, mix and match styles yeah. like you can get various tops or bottoms in the same print yeah that can go together and as someone who is restricted by like
0: the cut of a bikini top I appreciated that so much because like I wanted the options and they have many yeah so anyway I just really love Aerie I think they're mm-hmm. fantastic and yeah I'm just glad we live in a world right now where young girls are being fed images of women of all sizes. Mm -hmm. Because when we were growing up, it was literally Victoria's Secret models and um, Paris Hilton and Mm -hmm. Lindsay Lohan as your only sources of what an ideal body should look like. And when you look at Aerie's website, they have women of all shapes, colors, sizes. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's just fantastic. I think
1: Aerie also... I think they were one of the first companies to use more like quote unquote real women as their models, but also they don't do retouching of like right. cellulite and stuff. I do and like remember birthmarks and all that kind of thing.
0: I do remember that. I also learned that Aerie is a sister brand of American Eagle. hmm And I remember being in like going into American Eagle and immediately going to the back sales rack. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what rebrand American Eagle has gone through, but they're m- yeah. much more
1: affordable now and more inclusive. So yeah, just yeah. saying. I also got like three bathing suits from Aerie for my hot girl summer. Yeah. And like you said, I have ones that are like, I'm going to wear these around my family. Right. And then I have um, like the higher cut kind of cheeky then I'm like I'll probably only wear this when I'm at the beach with my best friend yeah um if she can convince me to wear it yeah (laughs) which she will she will she'll hype you up yeah Devin you better (laughs)
0: yeah
1: but yeah I yeah I love their suits yeah they are they're flattering
0: they're comfortable and they're trendy without being like extremely like they're not going to be out of style next year yeah so anyway I'm a fan I would highly recommend
1: cool yeah awesome yeah well, we hope you guys enjoyed this long episode. Yeah. We hope had you a lot learned to discuss boobs and
0: plants and all sorts of fun stuff. Boobs and plants and butts. You know us.
2: <laughs> all In right. Lancaster.
0: And yeah. Boobs, butts, plants and Battlestar Galactica. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Okay. So here's the deal. Tell a friend, leave us a review. I haven't checked our reviews recently.
1: Have you? Uh, Last I checked, we did not have any new ones. Okay. You guys. You guys are slacking. Please leave us a review.
0: It's (laughs) fun. Leave us a review. It helps us. And we'll give you a shout out on the podcast. So do it. Please.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget to send us your questions, like the email we discussed today about Lancaster. About, like, literally anything. Um, You can reach out to us on Instagram at PassportPizzaPod. Oh, and by the way, our email, if you want to email us, is hello at PassportsAndPizza.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text us at 717-964-0215. Yeah.
0: You have many options to reach us. Yeah. Um, Our show notes with all the links and details of products and recommendations for Lancaster and everything in between can be found on our website at passportsandpizza.com and if you want to see
1: what we're up to in our day-to-day lives you can follow us each separately i'm at sarah underscore cornelius underscore and that's sarah with no h and laura is at rome and go lightly and rome is r-o-a-m yeah let's be
0: friends and last but not least thank you to will gingrich for our theme music
1: and we'll catch you next time thanks for joining yeah peace bye peace and blessings warmest <laughs> <More> regards because
0: <Yum. laughs> we would order their uh uh curry chicken with um oh my god what's the bread called naan no oh bus up shut Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <you. laughs>